This is the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, located at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie and in the Frontier Mall on Del Range in Cheyenne. The 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored by Wyo Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. I'm Cody Tucker, joined as always by Jared Newland, the Wyoming Cowboys taking on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors tonight in Honolulu in that 9,000-seat little makeshift stadium they have there on campus kick off be there be square snort a line of sugar (laughs) if you want (laughs) kickoff is at 10 p.m jared how we doing buddy good how are you good uh not snorting sugar yet i'm fine staying up till you know two in the morning whatever it's gonna take well Well, for me it'll be more like six in the morning but you and i are gonna be coming off watching the world series game that and you're, one of us is going to be in a low, and the other one's <laughs> going to be in a high already. So so the Cowboys better fix one of us. Yep. <laughs> and for you listeners out there that don't know, Cody is a Phillies fan, and I am an Astros fan. So we are talking to one another just because we're doing this show. But other than that, it's off. And isn't it crazy? You told me, like, what, two weeks ago, you're like, wouldn't that be unbelievable if these two <laughs> met in the World Series? And I'm thinking, Ugh. Unbelievable in what way? <laughs> uh, it'll be fun, though. I, you know, I spent two years in Houston, so I have a lot of a lot of friends on Facebook and a lot of friends down there that are big Astros fans. And I saw, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, I, I saw last night Jalen Hurts, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, of course, took a picture wearing a Phillies hat. He is from Houston. I used to cover him when he was at Channel View High School. And uh, I'm sure he's getting a ration of, of stuff from back home wearing that Phillies hat. But he's doing the right thing. By his home crowd right now, they would not be happy. Yeah, I think a lot of times those stars of those of major teams in those markets, they they do that for fan support and stuff like that. But it, it it's good, and but I'm guessing deep down inside, maybe he still is an Astros fan, or maybe he never was an Astros yeah. fan. Who knows? Yeah, I mean Houston's so huge. I I don't know. And when <laughs> I lived there, we talked about it. Houston was so bad. I mean, so incredibly bad that it's it's just so weird to me to think how incredibly dominant they've been in the American League. For what what they've been to the World Series four times in the last six years? Uh, the ALCS? Be, yeah, yeah, and six straight ALCSs. That's unbelievable, yep. man. What a job, too, because, you know, isn't the narrative that the American League so much better than the National League, too? And Houston was a middle-of-the-road National League team in that horrendous— I'm sure you don't miss this, because I don't miss watching these games at all. The NL Central is unwatchable baseball, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Matt, our coworker, would disagree. He's a huge Cubs fan, but— Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates, count me out on all of that. I think during the regular season, a lot of baseball is unwatchable, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I'm, but come postseason, man, I am glued to yep. every pitch. It's, yep. it's fun. So You saying that, you, you're spoiled is what that have means. Have been, yes. Yeah, I have not been spoiled in a long time. So I am enjoying this. Uh, not running my mouth at all. A lot of brave, a lot of fake Braves fans I would have loved to give the business to, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And if they pull this off... They're all going to hear from me. Yeah. Well, back to the matter at hand. How yeah. about them Cowboys? Yeah. Jared, what if I told you that eight weeks in, nine weeks, whatever it is, Cowboys would be 5-3 and three overall and 3-1 and one in Mountain West Conference play? I probably would have said 4-4 four and four at best and probably 2-2 two and two in the league. Yeah. You know, I can't help but keep pointing this out, and I know I brought this up before. That Tulsa game was gigantic. To be able to pull that off in double overtime – they don't win that game. You're talking about a potential, what, 1-4 and four start maybe? Maybe beating Northern Colorado? Yeah, it just gave them that much, uh, you know, confidence that they could do what they did against Tulsa, coming down, back from two scores, fourth quarter, winning in overtime. Yep. 
and doing it the way they did with some long passes. It's big plays, yep. put it that way, which this team isn't made for big plays, but they, they were that day. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, just for their confidence and to start the season off the way that they did, um, you know, 2-2 two and two in the non-conference, which probably at the beginning of the season, that's what we all expected, but sure. we didn't know that Tulsa game was going to be as crazy as it actually was. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, BYU was good at the time. They're, they're a little banged up now. But Wyoming did give them a heck of a game. They did. And really was there until the end. Um, and we've all seen what Illinois is. Nobody knew that going into the season, but they're dang good. Illinois might just <clears> find <throat> themselves in the Big Ten championship game this year uh, and probably get absolutely mauled by Ohio State or Michigan. But yeah. good for them. I, I think they've arrived ahead of schedule just like the Cowboys have and really happy for Bart Miller, who I got to know when he was the offensive line coach at Wyoming. Uh, they've done a really good job, him and Brett Bielma. That's a really good football team, really physical team. Talked to Jay Savell, Wyoming's defensive coordinator this week, and he said that is one of the most physical teams that he has ever seen in his entire career. And remember, this is a guy who coached at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He, he saw He's been Illinois. in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, he saw Illinois a lot. So, uh, Cowboys, Rainbow Warriors, 10 p.m. tonight. These two battle it out for the Paniolo Trophy. Weird, but awesome. Uh, really read up read up on that a little bit more this week. Um, the cowboy culture over there is real, and I know you've been over there, and, and they do have a cowboy culture, and they have some ties to Wyoming. And after the win in 97, the Cowboys flew home, and nobody has a clue what happened to the original trophy, but that Paniolo group in Hawaii built, got a new one and got it going again. I heard a gentleman from the athletics department on a radio show earlier this week, and he made a comment about he believes it's in somebody's house. I could see that. So when it came home, it disappeared is the story, I guess. And I I wonder if it's innocent in the way that somebody said, hey, we're in the Mountain West now, Hawaii's not, we're never going to play them again, so put it in your mansion, put it in your log cabin (laughs) in Cody or Jackson. Yeah, who knows, but that's weird that it, it did make it back to Laramie, apparently. And I, I honestly thought, because there was a bunch of stuff going on because the rack was being built, the Rochelle Athletic Center, mm-hmm. and there was a trophy case up in the field house, and then a lot of those trophies got moved over to the Rochelle Center. And I thought maybe it got lost in that transition somewhere. That's a pretty big trophy to grow legs. But apparently it was lost before that. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a cool trophy. Um I asked Craig Bull if uh, they're going to have to reserve a seat on the plane, which, of course, he didn't like that question at all. But are you going to reserve a seat on the plane to bring that bad boy home? And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Craig Bull. we got to win it first, and Craig is not. He is 0 for 2 on the island, so a couple of very frustrating losses to this team. They are so frustrating to play on the islands. He mentioned it numerous times in his press conference this week. What makes them so good at home? Just home cooking? Well, Many of the years, they were so physical on defense. Yeah. I mean, they had those big Samoans that played physical football. I mean, you see it, BYU and Utah get a lot of those those players from the islands, and they're just physical and big, and they're yep. good. Yeah. And then you uh, parlay that with their spread offense that Cordero, that Cordero did run for a while, yep. and, their, and their new head coach, Timmy Chang, ran. I mean, ran to the tune of 17,000 passing yards. I mean, June Jones had that going over there for a while. And he probably, he, hindsight, he would have, should have just stayed there. Yeah. And built maybe a little Boise State. 
Yeah. To be honest with you. Oh, they were right neck and neck Instead, with Boise State there. Instead, he goes to SMU and tries to run it there, and he did for successful for, for a while, but then it just fell apart. Yeah, and Colt Brennan, and, man, they've had some dudes over there on the island. that I was looking up Timmy Chang's numbers earlier, and 117 touchdown passes, 17,000 passing yards. I mean, it's hard to even comprehend. 17,000 passing yards is the second most in the history of FBS football. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> I mean, it really is. If you think about some of the best Cowboy quarterbacks and the numbers they've put up, you're talking, what, 6,000 passing yards maybe for Brett Smith? Yep. And Josh Walwork in just a couple of years? Yeah, 5,000 year some. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, and it is the, the jet lag. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it happens. I mean, you go, you fly more than four hours. You, sometimes you fly four hours, you're tired. Yep. But you go over there, and plus you got the palm trees, you got the weather, looking out the window of your hotel and like, oh, I wish I could go down to the beach. You know, <laughs> those kind of things. So it all plays a factor. And plus, I mean, it's a late start for yep. the Cowboys. Yep. I mean, it's going to be 10 o'clock on their clock, Yeah. Um, what they're used to. So that's why they, they did leave on Thursday. Yep. Um, to get acclimated, sometimes they don't do that. But uh, this year, the budget allowed it. And they're going to stay a day. <clears throat> they're actually not going to hop on a plane right after that game at 2 in the morning or whatever. Well, there it's going to be 11, 12 yeah. o'clock at night. So, um, so they'll, they'll leave sometime on Sunday, um, come home. And it's a long travel day on the way home, of course. But uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, I think Craig always says it's a business trip. We all know that. Yeah. And I believe that. That's the way it's going to turn out for the Cowboys this time, having that extra day to acclimate and to really let it sink in that said, yeah, we get to look around, we get to see some stuff, but we have a game to play, and we need this game. And if there is ever a must-win on the Cowboys' schedule, you might say it multiple times throughout a season, this is definitely a must-win for the Cowboys. you got to keep the momentum going, and you have to have a win going into your off week before the border war. Absolutely. And to become bowl eligible, 6-3, and 4-1 and one in the conference, at this stage of the season for the Wyoming Cowboys, that's the third youngest team in the country, that is huge. You couldn't have said it any better, Jared. For sure it is huge. And uh, speaking of the youngest team in the country, Hawaii is the youngest <laughs> team in the country. They lost 19 players to the transfer portal. I thought it was even worse than that. Uh, if you read all that stuff, Todd Graham did not have anything good going last year. And somehow, some way, they still came into War Memorial Stadium and routed the Cowboys 38-14 to in the season finale. Well, it was so bad, his own kid transferred. <laughs> it was bad. We'll talk about more of Hawaii on the other side of the break. Let's get to the Cowboys' latest win. They take down Utah State 28-14. to The stats would suggest this was an absolute beatdown, and in a lot of ways it was. The score just didn't indicate how, bad, how badly outplayed Utah State was in this game. You know, you got to give him a little bit of a mulligan here. Bishop Davenport was making his first career start. He's a true freshman. He was just at his prom, you know, five, six months ago. Uh, so uh, that kid's got a ton of promise, in my opinion. He's got a really good arm, really live arm. He's athletic. Uh, you know, he was 17 of 26 for 104 yards and a pick. Uh, the pick was really bad, but I thought that was probably one of his worst throws of the game. Uh, Calvin Tyler Jr., their running back, nice day for him. 15 carries, 83 yards. He had a 31-yard touchdown run. A ton of receivers like we knew they would. Brian Cobbs, five catches, 45 yards. But the Cowboys were more than impressive in this one. And I knew when I talked about it on the show last week, after talking to Titus Swin, he had a different look in his eye. He had a different just aura about him where he just oozed momentum or just oozed just 
I'm going to kill these guys. And we both predicted that he was going to have a big game. I want to say, I didn't go through and listen, but I want to say I even said 160 yards. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> 28 carries, 160 yards, three touchdowns. He got the scoring started with a 30-yard touchdown run. Also put the punctuation point on this thing with a two-point conversion there at the end. Uh, the thing I don't think anybody, uh, any one of us saw coming necessarily was DQ James. Uh, 10 carries, 120 yards, 12-yard average for the Lancaster, Texas product. Redshirt freshman. Uh, DeWine McNeely did not play in this one. I think that they're still not comfortable with his right hand and the nerve damage he has and the cast he is forced to wear. Uh, so DQ got his shot. They said during the bye week they were going to recalibrate some things. I asked Craig Bull first question in his press conference, did recalibrating include DQ James? <laughs> and it, to a degree, yeah. I also asked Tim Polisek that same question, and he kind of got heated with me and said, it's whoever we got. Our running back room has been beat to hell this year. And they have. Joey Brash, high ankle sprain, Titus, bruised ribs, and all he's gone through. The hand with McNeely, hamstring with DQ James. Uh, They're starting to get healthy at the right time. And if they can do that, Cowboys racked up 330 yards on the ground. And oh, by the way, Hawaii is the worst team in the Mountain West when it comes to uh, rushing defense, giving up more than 200 a game. Uh, It's a scary proposition. 124th nationally. Yeah, that's a scary proposition. And the Pokes held the ball for 35 minutes, too. Yeah. And that's what that's what Craig Bull wants to do. He always wants to win the battle yep. of the time of possession. Definitely. And they did that by 11, um, 10 minutes this, this last weekend. And, you know, you, I'm just looking at the penalties, too. Five for 25 for Wyoming, one for 10 for Utah State. A very clean game. And a couple of those were just false starts. Well, and, and what was weird about that is Wyoming had a false start three times on first down, yep. and Utah State was the most penalized team in the Mountain West. They have one for ten, and but they, it was clean. They did jump on a third down um, on the defensive side of the ball one time, too, but luckily it was third and 12 to make it third and seven. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, the interception that, uh, Davenport. that Davenport threw, I rewatched the game. I don't think he ever saw Eckler go drop back in coverage because Eckler was showing blitz. And about a second before the snap, he starts coming back, and he's just floating out there. And yep. the ball floated, too. It sure did, yeah. Uh, and the receiver gave up on it. Yep. He, he could have played defense and went and batted that ball down, but he didn't. Yeah, and so, if, if that was on a rope, too, he had a, st- he had a beat. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it could have been different. And then on the other side of the ball, yep. we saw Peasley. He was only 50%, and some of those he threw away on purpose, which were, were good plays. Yep. We always talk about those being positive plays. But he threw one right into the DB's hands that would have been a pick six. Yeah. And that game would have been totally different. Yeah. We're talking third quarter, late third quarter. This game would have been just had a different feel to it going into that fourth quarter. Well, and on the flip side, too, Jared, if, if Wyatt Whelan doesn't fumble that punt uh, and give Utah State prime, prime real estate, really the Cowboys got gashed on one defensive, defensive yeah. possession the entire game. Um other than that, if they didn't have that mistake, you know, this might have looked a lot different the other way. Exactly right. And that's, I mean, you can dissect so many different plays of what would have and could have happened. Yeah. But those are two two big ones for sure. Well, and of course, the storyline coming into this one, Andrew Peasley facing his former team. He's 13 of 26 for 199 yards. He did not throw a touchdown or an interception. Uh, like you mentioned, thankfully, he didn't throw an interception because that would have been six easily. Uh, and the other side of the storyline, Levi Williams, the former Wyoming Cowboy quarterback, he did not play in this one. 
Uh, I'd heard all throughout the week he was not going to play, but you have to wonder if you're being slow played a little <laughs> when, uh, you know, maybe they don't want to hand over the information to Wyoming's beat writer to uh, <laughs> let everybody know that he wasn't going to play. But I think we knew watching the CSU game, he really he couldn't put any weight on his right ankle. And, and I waited by Utah State's tunnel pregame to run into Levi, and he was taped up and wearing his full uniform and came jogging out of the locker room. And I'm like, uh, are you playing? And he gave me the no, you know, I'm not. And he was there on an emergency basis. And I'm sure you heard it. The student section was having uh, having a little fun with Levi and his return. Uh, I know Levi's family heard it because I talked to Levi and his family after the game. And like always, I enjoyed Levi. I, I don't know what everybody else thinks about him. I don't really care. But in my dealings with him, he was always honest, which uh, got him in a little bit of hot water at times with his coaches uh, because he was so honest. You'd ask him a question, and he'd say, I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. You're going to have to ask somebody else, which we know who that means. <laughs> yep. And uh, after the game, you know, his family goes, you know, did you hear what the student section was chanting? And I said, "Yeah, well, yeah, of course. And uh, he said, that's ah, no big deal. He's like, they chanted the same thing at me when I was the quarterback here. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of catty. Is. I only heard, we want Levi. <laughs> I heard some other, <laughs> uh, other stuff. <laughs> but uh, it would have been cool to see Levi play in that game. Uh, you know he wanted to. He's a competitor for and sure. Even the television commentators there in the end, there Davenport kept running the ball a few times, and they were like, who is going to come in? Because we know Levi, yeah, he's dressed up as an emergency guy, but he's not going to play. Right. So who would have come in if Davenport got hurt? Because they were like, why are they going to get him banged up? Yeah, good question. I don't know who would have came in. I really don't. And Wyoming's defense, let's be real, man, they were humming. 217 yards allowed, six sacks. And I don't know about you, Jared, but nothing uh, nothing puts a smile on my face like sacks. And the Cowboys have 25 of those leading the Mountain West way ahead of Fresno State has 18 of those. And uh, Fresno State's touted as one of the best defensive lines in the West right. along with San Jose State. Well, and there's a story right now I wrote <laughs> on 7220sports.com. This – Defensive end group came in this year with exactly zero sacks. Zero under their collective belt. Coach Bull, the unofficial MVP of the offseason was Sebastian Harsh. He has a knee injury right before the opener at Illinois. He never even had a sack in a game. But we're thinking, oh, man, Coach doesn't talk about guys like this, man. This guy must really be humming. Then he gets hurt. The Alabama transfer also has a hip injury in camp. He's hurt. So you're like, what does this leave? Olawasi Amodisho played a little special teams last year. Devon Harris had really nice games in 2020, his fresh, true freshman year when he was forced into action during COVID. He had a really nice game against Boise State, I remember, in the snow in the, in the finale. And Braden Siders, who's, you know, a guy who's easily 20 pounds undersized. And you're thinking, oh, man, they are in deep trouble. They're not. Devon Harris has seven sacks. He tallied three of those against Utah State. Amodisho with five, Siders with four. 18 of those 25 sacks have come out of the defensive end position. Really enjoyed your article this week on speed goggles. Yeah, yeah he's an interesting cat, man. And Craig Bull can do a heck of a, an impression of this kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's Talk, a different cat. But man. Talking about wearing pajamas. <laughs> yeah, talking them into his tucking socks. Talking into his socks. You yeah. never know what color they're going to be. Yep. That's awesome. Craig Bull's changed. He's absolutely changed. There's no doubt about it. And and we're, we've talked about this all year, and it's making a hell of a difference, in my opinion. He did joking about stuff like that. I mean, this is not the Craig Bull I've known since 2019. He does not talk about single out anybody, especially stuff like that. And here he is sharing a bunch of anecdotes about these guys. 
He told another great one about a moto show this week, just dropping back in coverage 30 yards on a snap. And he's like, what in the hell are you doing? You're a defensive end. And he said, well, I knew the ball was going to go around the other side, so I wanted to get you know get, get ahead on my angle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Craig Ball's head would explode if you told him this two years ago. Yeah, textbook football, fellas. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> now he laughs about it. And he goes, you know, he always says one of his famous lines this year, they don't know what they don't know. And, and it's the truth, man. The sky was falling after Illinois everywhere but in that locker room. And I've heard you ask him questions uh, or ask players questions about a changed Craig Bull. Yes. And they all said, oh, absolutely, you see a difference in him. And I've heard it on other shows. I've heard it other articles and I've read and stuff like that. To a T, every single player says that he is a changed man. Absolutely. Every time I interview somebody new on the team, which I try and do on a weekly basis, I ask them that question. And at the end of the year, I thought I'll do a story on this, but everybody has the same answers. Yeah, he has changed. He sits with us in the lunchroom. He asks about my family. This is not stuff I'm hearing from guys that left the program last year. Well, I was going to say, it all goes back to that article that you wrote last year about yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Why are all these people exiting the program? Yeah. And that, to a T, every one of them said, he's a hard guy to play for, doesn't care about you as a person. You only know your position coach. You don't know the head coach. Yep. That seems to have changed. Uh, yeah, year nine, but... Never too late. Yeah, no doubt. I love it, man, because what did we – we have all said this. Guarantee you've heard this a hundred times. Will the old dog learn new tricks? He has, and it's been really impressive. And I don't need Craig Bull to be nice to me. I don't need him to love every question I ask him. You know, I don't need him to kiss my tail, any of that stuff. But he has been a pure joy to be around this year. After they get waxed by Illinois in the opener, he comes behind the podium, and I'm thinking, oh, what a great start. Oh, boy, here we go. Man, he had perspective. He talked about the good things. He, you know, he knew there were some, obviously some, some question marks, but he still felt really good about this team. And you know what? When I left Illinois, too, I still felt good about the team. I just didn't know mentally yeah. how bad it would be. Uh, because they were not 32 points worse than Illinois. And one last thing that we all hope that he'll change is to allow media to go to practices. <laughs> one thing I hope he changes is maybe, you know, and he's starting to, um, making football relevant in November. It's a really nice change of pace here. Um, that four-game that four game losing streak last year was brutal for everyone. Nobody was having a good time at all. So, you know, whether Wyoming wins or loses is irrelevant to my job, but let's be real, it's more fun to cover a team that's winning, and it's more fun to cover a team that's growing. And I think that's the exciting part. And, of course, it's easy to go, oh, well, how many of these guys are going to transfer? We've talked about it. I've talked about it with Ryan Thorburn in the press box. If we, we looked at the roster last week and said, can you point out one guy on this, on this roster right now that would transfer? We pointed out a couple. But for the most part, this team is young, they're hungry, and they're a lot of fun. And uh, it's exciting to have relevant football in November. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, Jeff Saturday, the former uh, center yeah. for the Indianapolis Colts. He does a thing on Fox on Sundays, and it's called Sat Him Down. And he had Zach Watts on there on uh, Titus's last seven-yard touchdown run. And he pointed it out that Zach pancake this guy but it started at the four yard line took him into the end zone out the side of the end zone <laughs> he sure did. into the sign on the and they were like sit him down sit him down <laughs> they even calls him out by name so shout out to zach watts for a pancake Absolutely. and i can't believe that wasn't flagged oh no he because it was very like aggressive could have easily gave up on it yep it was michael orish we'll put a <laughs> uh, bow on the utah state game talk about the Hawaii rainbow warriors on the other side of the break 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue. Stop in or order online at dickies.com for your tailgating food today. Cody Tucker joined by Jared Newland. As always, what's that pizza deal? That we keep talking about. 50% off at Papa <laughs> Murphy's in Cheyenne and Laramie. It's online, orders only, but 50% off your pizza. I know what I'm having for the game because I'm going to be parked in front of the TV watching baseball. And then also, we did not make the trip to Hawaii, and nobody else did in the media core as well. It's just, it's a lot. It's just too expensive. And think about the travel budget for any media outlet, um, let alone small little Wyoming outlets, yeah. and use that money elsewhere now. Bowl game, obviously, most yeah. likely coming up. Uh, Basketball is going to be really good. Yep. Maybe add in a couple games there and there, here and there, and um, that's a big that's a big chunk out of the budget. So yeah, and it would have been nice, um, only in the fact that Wyoming has a bye week the following week. So if you actually have the money to go go rock it for a week. Um, <laughs> DJ Johnson, however, our photographer, is there. He just landed last night, so he will have photos from there. Uh, Craig Bull will be doing be doing a Zoom press conference after the game. So we will still be talking to him at the crack of probably 3 a.m. Think about <laughs> Sunday morning. On Saturday, though, 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff, and it's going to go through all the way to the end of the Wyoming-Hawaii game for the day. And oh, it's yeah. going to be glorious and mixed in with a World Series oh, game, too, gosh. in there. Yeah, it's going to be great. That's I, I, I am not regretting this. I would rather sit on the couch and watch football all day and watch the World Series with my team in it. If my team wasn't in it, I can't say that I would watch every pitch. It would be hard to flip over from college football to World Series if your team wasn't in it. Here's what we need to worry about, though. That game needs to hurry because what if the Cowboys game starts and the baseball game isn't over yet? Well, I have two TVs in my basement, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm set there. <laughs> Uh, honey. <laughs> and actually one is going, the the Cowboy game will be on my iPad anyway because I'm not going to simulcast it to the TV. I'm just going to use my iPad and call it good. Yeah, my buddy Matt and I have been trying to figure out a way to rig this thing up all week to get this game on the TV so we're not watching on a phone or a you tablet. You Chromecast it or simulcast it. I have no idea what that means, but I'll have to talk to you about it. Unless you want to tell all the listeners how to do it because I'm sure a lot of people are struggling with how to even find this thing. Well, every TV with that was purchase within the last probably five years has the capability of simulcasting. So if you have the app on your phone or your tablet, there'll be a simulcast option to your TV. So you, you, you can, can plug it in? No, 
Hmm. It simulcasts over the air. Okay, I'm an idiot out there, folks. For anybody out there, don't feel ashamed if you have no idea what simulcasting means, because I don't either. But if you wanted to have it on your laptop computer, just use an HDMI cable and do it the old-fashioned way and plug it in from your computer to your... So I can get an app on my laptop? Um, I would do it off your phone, to be honest with you. Okay. Yep. Or have Matt do it off his, because your phone's going to be busy. Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Well, let's put a bow on this Utah State game. Uh, Andrew Peasley got emotional after the game at the podium. You know, he played it off all all week that this game is just another game. We all knew better. Uh, he said after the game when all of his buddies came up from Utah State and got in line and told him congratulations and we're really happy for you, including one of the offensive linemen from Utah State who Peasley is going to be his best man in his wedding uh, he got a little emotional talking about that. Um, he spent four years there, and uh, he had to feel really good. I mean, he played a really good game. He was really solid, aside <laughs> from the mistake you're talking about. That was nearly a pick six. Other than that, just smart throws, uh, smart decisions. Bittersweet is what it is. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, yeah, he's got a lot of friends over there, and I'm sure even the coach, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm sure they well, chat Blake, throughout the year. They do, and Blake Anderson yeah. said he cried when Peasley entered yep. the transfer portal, and I'm here to tell you, folks, uh, guess who would have been starting for Utah State Saturday night? It would have been Andrew Peasley. Most likely. So, you know, it is bittersweet. He spent a lot of time there. He was in Logan during the bye week. His girlfriend still lives there. So, really happy for him. I really like Andrew Peasley. And Craig Bull really, really likes Andrew Peasley, too. And, you know, I hate to bring up this word because I know it makes Wyoming fans cringe, but re-engineered offense. He wasn't talking about airing it out. He wasn't talking about throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. He was talking about exactly what Andrew Peasley is doing right now. Peasley has 1,204 passing yards, nine touchdowns, which leads the Mountain West, three interceptions, 263 yards rushing, zero lost fumbles. He has turned the ball over three times this year. So he's taking care of the football. And for comparison's sake, Sean Chambers started eight games, the first eight games of last year, and was benched was benched after uh, the New Mexico game, and he got in sparingly against Hawaii. Uh, He threw for 1,125 yards, which is less, six touchdown passes, seven interceptions, was sacked 14 times. Uh, I believe Peasley's been sacked nine times. And um, 198 yards rushing. He fumbled the ball seven times and lost four of those. I was going to say, some of those, you say that zero fumbles and three interceptions – there was games last year and the year before that between a Levi or a Sean that they did that in a game, Yeah, let alone in eight games. No doubt. So, yeah, I mean, Peasley's not breaking the scoreboard by any means, but he's quietly putting together a really nice year. And instead of re-engineered, maybe Craig Bull should have just flat out said, we need to be more efficient. We need to not hand the other team gifts. And, and that's what they were doing way too much last year. That four-game losing streak we keep talking about from last year, that's what it was. It was a fumble fest. It was a turnover fest. The interceptions were just coming fast and furious. And looking through those numbers today, Sean even fumbled against Ball State. He fumbled against Northern Illinois twice. In the two-game stretch where they only scored three points. Yeah, absolutely. Threw a pick against Montana State. And those are games that they won. So just not taking care of the ball. And that's what's going to get you benched, and it did. And Levi Williams got benched last year for turning the ball over as well. So Andrew Peasley, love him or not, um, he's been fantastic. I I think the Cowboys won. uh, I'm not saying the Williams trade, but I think they won in the transfer portal. Uh, You couldn't ask for a better 
a better guy right now, and that's not even talking about his intangibles, which they all love him. This team absolutely loves him. Something else that's new this year that the fans wouldn't get to see, every time I'm interviewing players on Monday afternoon in Laramie, the other players are coming in and out, going to the locker room. They all come by, and no matter who I'm interviewing, they tap them on the shoulder, or they high-five them, or they slap hands, or they say, what's up? Every one of my interviews is interrupted by a, what's up, man? This team genuinely loves each other and cares about each other, and nobody does that more than Andrew Peasley. He gets, I can't get through an interview with the guy because everybody keeps stopping him. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw you on Saturday, guys, <laughs> you know? Uh, but that says a lot. Most likely on Sunday in the training room. Yeah, true. <clears throat> but it really says a lot. And, and and I'm not saying anything about Sean or anything about Levi. I think the team liked them just fine. I know they really like Sean. Um, but there's something different about Andrew Peasley. And uh, Craig Bowl sees it. I hope you guys are starting to see it because I certainly do. And I know you do. And, yeah, I mean, there have been two games where the completion percentage has been horrendous. Yep. But they still played okay not in the first game but they played okay in the other one yeah and some of those are just plain throwaways that he has to get rid of the ball too and i'm gonna i'm gonna harp on it every single week those are positive plays in my opinion because they're not turnovers yep and he's and guys he's hamstrung coaches are not they are not letting him run wild so a lot of those throwaways too are maybe sometimes where he could pick up some yards there's also probably some plays that have definitely been some plays that have been left on the field that he hasn't used his feet. Mm-hmm. And Coach learned that the hard way through what Sean Chambers went through and what Tyler Vanderwall went through and what Levi went through. And he's not letting him run, yet he still has 263 very quiet rushing yards, if you think about it, because we thought of Sean as a runner. Sean, at this point last year, had 198 rushing yards. It seemed like Sean had a heck of a lot more. Yeah, just because he ran the ball, that means attempts. Yeah, attempts. Um, real quick on the Utah State game. Second half, Peasley's in the shotgun. You got uh, Brosh on one side, Swen on the other side. I believe moving forward, the Pokes are going to use more formations like that. Agreed. To really, and if maybe it's not Brosh, maybe it's uh, DQ, maybe it's McNeely when he comes back healthy. But you're going to really throw off the defense. And pl- plus there was a tight end. Oh. lined up in the backfield, just off the line. So you have no idea where that ball's going to go. You have three running opportunities. Tight end just might flat out go down the seam, or there might be a guy wide open on the on the um, sideline. And Parker Christensen also is a uh, tight end slash fullback. Oh, and there was another play, too, that Driscoll just hammered a guy again on blocking. <laughs> and we, all, we talked about him last week. He, that's all he cares. About. Yep. He loves to block. That's he all he loves wants to do. loves physicality, man. He hammered a guy again. So We would be absolutely <clears throat> remiss in not doing our job whatsoever if we didn't talk about the Cowboys' final drive of the first half. <laughs> and Craig Bull thinks that we are making way too big of a deal out of this. But are we? No. no. We're not making a big enough deal out of this. With 19 seconds left and the Cowboys at their own 26-yard line, Ryan Thorburn and I looked at each other and said, might as well go take a leak. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to kneel on this thing, right? Nope. Four plays, 50 yards, John Hoyland field goal, Cowboys get three on the board. The players were so excited after the game to talk about that. And and I thought it would be a ho-hum, we do it in practice all the time. No, they were legitimately excited about that, which you know has to spark Craig Bull. We might be seeing this more. And it doesn't 
all the two minute offense doesn't have to be run at the end of a half. No. Or at the end of a game. Every once in a while, maybe you just do it to throw the other team off and maybe they burn a timeout that was like, oh man, we burned a timeout and they might need it later in the game or whatever it is. Yeah. You just get up the line of scrimmage and go, go, go. And it just throws the defense off, and plus they get gassed. And Utah State was gassed because Wyoming was on the field for a long time that first half. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and they had just gone three and out um, to give the ball back to Wyoming. So, it, I, I was so impressed by that. Um, I always jot down maybe some ideas for some questions, which, which uh, by the way, I don't take requests for those of you who keep saying, you need to ask coach this. You need to ask coach that. Oh, uh, there's plenty of people that would give you some. That's oh, for sure. Oh, they do. Yeah, I do not take requests, however. But that is one of the first things I jotted down was I literally didn't even write a question down. I just wrote O-M-G. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. And that sparks your memory of what to ask him <laughs> yeah. about. <laughs> and I've asked Craig about the middle eight. You know, I saw it on a graphic against Boise State last year, how good the Broncos are in the middle eight, which, of course, is the final four before half and the four coming out of half. He blew me off like that was the dumbest question I've ever asked, and I've asked some dumb ones. That was impressive. They're only dumb because he doesn't want to answer them. (laughs) I like to think so too, Jared. But that was impressive, absolutely impressive, and it was imperative. That was a close game, and it really was a shot of life, and they all mentioned that going to the locker room. They were all excited about it, so uh, we were too. Let's just hope we're this giddy and talking about the same thing come next week at this time. (laughs) Because Wyoming has a big task to play on the island against the Rainbow Warriors. No doubt. And, uh, you know, Hawaii, looking up them, their defense is just the first three games against Vanderbilt, Western Kentucky, and Michigan. That's no easy task. But two of those games were at home aside from the game at Ann Arbor, and they gave up an average of 56 points per game. 63 to Vandy, the most ever in Vanderbilt history. And if you've watched college football, you know Vanderbilt isn't exactly known as a juggernaut. Maybe at that time thought that Vanderbilt maybe had turned the corner and like, oh, they might might win a game or two in the SEC, <laughs> might go 5-7, and 4-8. No. Nope. They're back to old Vanderbilt. Yep, not a bit. So Hawaii's defense under first-year head coach Timmy Chang absolutely gashed in those first three. However, their last three, they're only giving up 16.3 points per game. But that was against San Diego State, that was against Nevada, and that was against Colorado State. And outside of Iowa, those three offenses might be the most painful to watch in all of America. Yes. I, I, there's nothing more you can say about it. They are. It is hard to watch all four of those teams. It is bad. And the only time that, of course, in a couple of weeks, we're going to watch CSU yeah. against the stout Wyoming defense. So Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hawaii is dead last in the Mountain West in total defense. They give up 34.5 points per game. To put a little perspective, they give up, they've give up. they given up 35 touchdowns. Wyoming's given up 25. However, Wyoming did have a lot of... Uh, you know, their past defense hasn't exactly been lights out, and uh, it's getting better, I must say. And what's helping that, in my opinion, is that unbelievable edge rush they've had of late, 12 sacks in the last two games, um, which has also led to three interceptions from the secondary. And don't get it twisted, those things are correlated. Um, but the Cowboys have given up 25 touchdowns, and you got to think about it. They gave up 37 and a win over Tulsa. They gave up big points at Illinois. BYU put up a lot. Uh, so San Jose State... And, uh, you know, the teams the Cowboys have lost to are all pretty darn good. You know, when they played BYU, they were ranked number 19 in the country. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. Go Liberty. Um, (laughs) But 
you know, you, you can't really put lipstick on this pig. The the Rainbow Warriors are giving up 435.4 yards per game. 212 of those are on the ground, 124th in the country in that regard. 223 of those are through the air. They are ranked 11th in the Mountain West in pass defense, 0.1 yard ahead of the Wyoming Cowboys, who are in dead last in uh, that category. So um, Titus Swin has to be licking his chops, right? Well, I think, yeah, he at DQ and Peasley himself, too, because there might be some openings for Peasley to get, you know, maybe a 50, 60, 70 yards out of the game on the ground. Um, the Pokes defense, pass defense, they have to get off the field. That's all there is to it. They they can't give them the cushions because these wide receivers, they are, they're, they're fast. And the quarterback, Shager, is going to get the ball out. Yep. And he, he's thrown for 1,200 yards so far. But you have to, at the any opportune time, get off the field, whether it be a three and out, five and out, whatever it may be, just get off the field and don't let them sustain a 12 to 15 play drive, which it won't take up a lot of time off the clock because they, they know huddle. Yep. But they're, you're still on the field and you're gassed because you can't substitute. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Hawaii's mm-hmm. offense hasn't exactly been lighting it up either. They've scored 31 points as their highest output, and that was against Nevada a couple weeks ago in a win. Hawaii is 2-6 and six overall. Their only win's coming against Duquesne, which is an FCS school out of Pittsburgh. And then uh, their only FBS win against a very young Nevada team that uh, is just not very good. And uh, hard to believe that Nevada team won, what, two, three in a row to start the year? I mean, watch it. Granted, I've only watched them play Colorado State, but that was absolutely pitiful. I mean pitiful. So, um, yeah, you brought up Braden Shager, their quarterback. He is out of the Dallas area. He has thrown for 1,200 yards, four touchdowns, had six interceptions to that. He is not a running threat whatsoever. Uh, but in those 1,200 yards, he's spreading the ball out. Seven of these guys have double-digit catches to their name, and uh, – that's pretty typical when you look at at Hawaii stats. They have a tight end who's been heavily involved, and then running back Dedrick Parson, five hundred thirty or five hundred forty three rushing yards, ten touchdowns, four point five yards per carry. So they do have some weapons on offense. They're not exactly terrifying, but they do. And um, but where Hawaii kind of gets you right is. Those big Polynesian dudes. They're tough, man. I'll never forget Marcus Harris talking to him about. The toughest game he ever played in his college career was not Hawaii. It was BYU in that in that WAC championship game in 96. He said, man, their bone structure is different or something. They hit like a ton of bricks. So that's where the line of scrimmage, they're really good on the line. They're full of all kinds of dudes that, God bless you, Reese Monaco, that you're going to have to pronounce these names because <laughs> these guys are just big and they're scary and they're they're really good. The Pokes have got to get out to a fast start and don't let this Hawaii – team believe that they're in the game that's that's all there is to it wyoming has to come out punch them in the fat mouth and score at any time they have the opportunity and um don't settle for field goals yeah get in the end zone get up by a couple scores and then hawaii is gonna like oh here we go again yeah no doubt and and you know what's weird though that they don't ever have big crowds no matter what their stadium is per se but man they get going a little bit don't they the couple games I have listened to it for nine thousand people in the stadium, it's pretty loud. Yeah, and maybe it's where the mics are yeah. and all that kind of stuff because there's no way that you can't hear when you're on the field. But it's a unique little setup for um, for for a football game, especially a Division One football game. It's something you'd most likely see at Division Three level yeah. or you know even lower. But um, 
here in a couple of years they're going to have that new stadium again that they're going to be able to play in, and it'll be you know thirty five thousand ish. Yeah. And um, it you know maybe that'll get them going again. Here's a kind of a difficult question, Jared. Just should should Hawaii even be in the Mountain West Conference? It's just so damn difficult. It's tough. Uh, what do they bring? What do they bring to the table that makes them so appealing? Well, it's obvious they don't bring a TV audience because that's why there's a game on pay-per-view where any of these networks, they only go over there once or twice a year, if and, that. And then your best-case scenario, if you're Hawaii, you win six games, you get to play at home in yeah. a bowl game. And if you're better than that, probably you, you probably have to win ten games to not play in your own bowl game for travel purposes. So I just don't understand. And we can talk about the same thing with, like, a San Jose State Um Although San Jose, San Jose is the third biggest city in California, um, it's just it's hard to find the benefits. And I like Hawaii, and I like this game. I always have. I love Hawaii's uniforms. I really love their old uniforms with the rainbow on the helmet. I love those. But it's, it just seems so not worth it. Yeah, I, I agree. I and I agree with you on the uh, uniforms too. They're <laughs> they're they're white helmets back in the day with yeah. that. It was green, but it was almost a turquoiseish green. Yeah. And then when the Wyoming would play there, they would play in their all whites on that old turf. Yep. It just looked really clean and good. Yeah. And Wyoming don't they don't wear all whites anymore? Of but, course um, not. But the white on the yellow pants still going to look good. Yeah. So. Well, one of my greatest Hawaii memories was sixty-six to nothing in nineteen ninety-six, and watching those guys. Every one of their linemen had an oxygen mask on, and it could have been a hundred. <laughs> it sure could have. Josh Walwork and uh, Marcus Harris had a had a easy afternoon. Uh, we have about three minutes left, Jared. You want to run down the Mountain West slate? Yeah. So um, earlier today, um, so five o'clock Mountain Time, be CSU at Boise State. Boise's a twenty-seven point favorite, and the over/under is only forty-three. Wow, so they're not giving any love to CSU scoring points. No, they're eleven and zero all time against the Rams. Remember the Rams, the one where they crapped down their leg at the end in Fort Collins a few yep. years back. Whew. And then uh, pretty much right before the Pokes and Hawaii kick off, it's uh, San Diego State at Fresno State. Fresno State's an eight and a half point favorite. That game should have had some juice. But can you think of a game you'd? I'd rather watch about any game under the sun than that one. The only thing is, they're both two and one in the conference, which is so. insane. And then uh, Nevada at San Jose State, which the Spartans are 24-and-a-half-point favorites. Wait a minute. San Jose State at where? Nevada at San Jose oh, State. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Nevada's, yeah. Nevada's so bad. Yep. So Nevada, even though they're, they're worse than Seattle, they're the worst team in the Mountain West. Nevada's so bad. You think they're worse than New Mexico? New Mexico of the first two drives against Wyoming, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I want to give a shout-out to a couple of Casper guys for being our guest pickers this week. Uh, go Natrona County, I guess you can say. One's Kelly Walsh, one's Natrona County. Uh, Brett and Jack, appreciate you guys helping us out this week. And uh, um, there are some other big games around the, the country, too. Uh, Penn State hosts Ohio State. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Kentucky, Tennessee yep. has a little bit of, you know, juice to it because yep. Tennessee coming off another big win against a down opponent, but Kentucky is good. Is Tennessee going to crap down their leg too at some point? They don't look like they're going to, but they might. And then a uh, game you're very familiar with, Michigan State, Michigan. You know, and you'd like to. It's easy to say Michigan's going to completely roll in that one, but 
we've seen it before. Uh, the Spartans kind of have Jim Harbaugh's number, and uh, I tell you, man, that was one of the greatest games I ever covered was watching Michigan State beat Michigan in the big house in the pouring rainstorm. Uh, it's a really fun game. A bunch game. of delays during that game, wasn't it? Uh, no, oh, they, okay. there was a bunch of tornado warnings around the state of Michigan, though, so a lot of fans on Twitter were unhappy and yelling at me like I created the tornadoes. So, uh, really fun atmosphere. People think Michigan, Ohio State all the time. Don't get it wrong. That is a huge one. Uh, and a couple others, uh, Arkansas at Auburn, uh, Rutgers, Minnesota, <laughs> Baylor, Texas Tech, and Cincinnati, UCF. Baylor, Texas Tech. Count me in on that one. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie and Cheyenne. This show is also sponsored by Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, and Warren's Repair and Towing. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next right here on KOWB.